Good afternoon. So, I'm Judith. I'm from the University of Cambridge. I've not always been at Cambridge. And I'm here today as a doctoral student, okay? I'm not a young one, I admit. Um, my, although I like recognise an awful lot of the issues that have been talked about, the assessments, the, um, the findings of the internships, all those sort of things, my focus is slightly different. <coughs> I'm looking at really how do we support students when they're in placements, how do we prepare them, how do we support not only us teaching them to be able to do these placements, but also how do we support students in actually learning. We all know we can take a horse to water, we can't make it drink. You know, if you put somebody in a situation, how are they going to learn from that experience? How are they going to draw the lessons? How are they going to take those forward into the rest of their working lives? Um, yeah, so I, my doctoral research is on uh, work-related skills whilst in higher education, because for all the reasons you already heard, employers want people with skills who are ready to go out there and, and do some work. I was intrigued by some practice at Cambridge University within in my specific part. I'm in the engineering department where they use short industrial placements and I'll describe these a little bit more in a minute. And I was using these as a case study to get my head around the, uh, things. And some exploratory work that I found was that if you want students to learn, if you want to be able to teach effectively, you've actually got to be able to describe things very clearly. Communication skills. Everybody are very generic. What is it precisely? You know, how do you get your heads around it from a student perspective and from a teacher's perspective? And the other thing I found related to these short industrial placements was they were actually most closely related to the type of projects done in business schools. Particularly in MBAs, you send somebody out on a short consultancy type project to solve a real issue in a company. Uh, and having done an MBA and having been involved in those, I recognise that. And I also, that's one of the reasons I was so passionate about it, because I realised I learned a lot from these experiences. Um, so, a little bit involved. <coughs> so, this is the context of Cambridge, okay? This is a specific master's course where students have, have volunteered, you know, they wanted to come on here, and they already know that within their course they will be doing four placements. Uh, they will be found for them, they'll be sorted for them, and they will have four two-week placements. Um, there's four of them in the course. They account for 40% of their overall master's assessment. They are big. That's why we've got to support them in terms of the teaching and learning. Because, you know, if that part of the, that much of the assessment, um, and of course we've got to satisfy the powers that be that we are developing and awarding a, a, a full uh, master's uh, qualification. They are allocated into groups of two and they get arms leg support. They are put out into industry. It can be, they can be in Scotland, they can be in Wales, they can be nearby in Cambridge, um, they can be in some lovely big cities, they can be out in the beyond. Um, so a whole range of different places. They are all given a brief. And they get to see that before they go. So they have to make sense of this. Um, they have to analyse an issue. They're all working on something, a real problem for that company. Yeah? Then they have to sort of prose the way forward. The last Friday of their two weeks, they have to make a presentation to their company and their tutor. And then 
very early on the next week, they have to submit a report. It's very short, very intense. And all these guys know they sign up, you know, they've got to be willing to go through, which is really quite a challenging and stressful experience. Um, these are two of our uh, students out there, actually in Mars Chocolate Factory, um, doing some real anal anal analytics. One of the reasons these are very appropriate to a master's level course is that we really strongly get them to seek evidence, uh, you know, uh, for numbers, look for evidence, because of course these guys are going to companies, big companies, but also small companies. And if you've got no experience, how do you get credibility with the company, you know, for proposing? It's got to be based on hard evidence. But I've heard a lot about this today, the bridging the gap, the different languages, the different worlds of higher education work. And how do you make that bridge so that it really works effectively? And I was very, I was struggling this, with this, and I um, heard David Dowling speak at a, a conference. Um, and they used an activity-based approach. They were using defining your discipline. It was some work in Australia, and it connected the world of early graduate jobs within there, within real work, with a new engineering discipline. But their conversation was around activities. So, for environmental engineering, this was actually, yeah, we don't employers just saying we don't need communication skills or writing skills. It was. We need students to prepare an impact statement. Very specific, but enabled the academics to understand exactly what they were expected to be able to do, the sort of tasks, the jobs they'd be able to do, as, as well, you know, both ways. So it really enhanced that communication. Uh, so a really interesting piece of work uh, I do recommend reading. So you have that cross-community uh, understanding, and they also found that if you were involved in a particular activity, let's say this one, this impact statement, how that related to other larger work scale processes that were going on. So it was actually very useful to see how those activities built into the work processes that were going on in the <coughs> business. So my objective was to try and set out let's, what activities should and do our students actually do? And then if we know that, we can describe them to them, we can help support them, both in terms of us as teachers, and also we can help them learn. And there's nothing out there. I, you know, I found a gap. So I went because it was consultancy practice, I looked at some consultancy practice literature, I looked at what we'd already said, and I sort of came up with this rough, rough and ready sort of framework of things that they would have to do. So they've got to make sense of the company, the context, what the objective is, you know, what industry they are in, and the size of the company, what they do. They've got to understand the problem. They've got to work out what bit of the problem they're going to solve, how they're going to bound it. They're going to have to do some good data gathering. They're going to have to design what they're analysing, um, generate some solutions, and, and come up with a proposal. Okay? But I was concerned. I used a lot of McKinsey practice from this. Now McKinsey don't often go into little companies. They don't often solve engineering type problems, you know, so I knew I had a little a bit of expansion in terms of the literature. So I looked at um, things are in the engineering education, the more the practice-based literature on you know, different problem sort types of sorts. 
And those of you who've worked in the real world know that actually it's different to the academic world in terms of students. If you haven't got all the information, it's often incomplete, it's often inconsistent, uh, you've got messy problems where there isn't one solution, there's multiple solutions, and these are sort of environments that is new to the students. You know, if they're set an exam question, there's usually, particularly in engineering sort of things, there's usually a particular answer. Um, so there was lots of different considerations there. The other thing I was very concerned about was a lot of practice literature is written for people who are practicing, but not people who are starting in practice. So how do you first introduce something? You know, you've got that <coughs> catch-22 uh, thing. So I ended up with a 12 sort of stage process. I, these are sort of things that I sort of separated out because there were very distinct types of activities with distinct skills and things that can be taught. And I you know, uh, pulled out presentations apart from reports because again, different sort of skill sets. But I also knew that this wasn't the whole story. And it had been alluded to in quite a lot of the other literature, but there was these other broad categories of the more generic, the employability, the, those these broader sets of skills, and I'm sure you will all recognise. And I adopted this framework partly um, because the things about managing self, project management, and managing others were all part of um, the literature I had read. And also, we knew that managing information was absolutely key in these projects and doing that. And this really seemed to cover for us everything that was of concern to the students. This was the framework that we came up with, and we thought, right, this is what we're going to test. <coughs> don't need to read that. We, in an academic year, they have four projects. This is just to show you last year. The point is that there's 80 placements overall within an academic year. They all happen between October and March. So in, within six months, you know, they're very quick. There's not a lot of chance to do stuff in between, particularly if you're part-time like I am. And we decided to do action research. So it was going to be fast, it was going to be furious, and uh, we would see what was uh, going to happen. But we were determined to work out what these activities were, and we had a great opportunity. We had 40 students, 80 placements, lots of data. So we did an action research cycle. I'm sure you're all aware of what that might involve. The first one was quite light touch, we talked to them afterwards. <coughs> so we had this framework, we compared it to what they did, they wrote down some responses, and big thumbs up, yeah, it all looked, we haven't missed anything significant. We then broke our bigger stages down into little stages, and I made a very crude tool for going to test it. In the second cycle, I got the students, well, I got 12 volunteers, very kindly took this crude tool, tested it in our practice, and we, we muddled around, we found different activities, and from that I could develop something more sophisticated that could be tested in the third module, but there are already issues emerging, you know. It's very easy when you've got a list of things, or very, sorry, very difficult, to things, see things that are not on it. You know, whereas if you ask a lot of people, well, what did you do? You, you start from an open page. And I was concerned that, I know, I was giving people lists, but people were very rarely suggesting things that weren't on the list, you know. Hmm, no, something wasn't working. There was also lots of overlaps, you know, if you're doing different activities, things over, you know, in different categories, and how can we make those sharper? Um, and already problematic with these through placement ones, you know, 
working with others. <coughs> we do them all the time. How do we differentiate? You know, there was there were some difficulties with that. Anyway, not a lot of time. We pursued, we went on to round three. All students were invited to um, fill in this uh, sheet. Uh, they did 31 out of 40, which I think was pretty, was pretty good, yeah. And I also tested things on the tutors. These are hands-on tutors, they are with the students, they visit them on the first Friday of the project and they see them on the end, and there's communication between. And they said, yeah, Judith, it's all very well and good, but actually, it's really messy in practice. You've got it looking so simple. It's not nice, neat boxes. It's actually really, really messy. You need to make your framework more messy. Um, so lots of interaction. We need to do a couple that. And they also spotted a few things about, actually, where do we start, where do we finish? Uh, making sure things were very, very crystal clear. So that was very helpful. So this is the framework. You've got it in your pack there. And behind each of these different agents, blobs, there is more detail in terms of what activities were going to be in there. You see we've got the arrows to try and show, as I say, this doesn't look very messy, uh, that's what the arrows are supposed to show, and we've got all the different categories on there. The other big bit I was concerned about, sorry, this is the layout, so you've got the activity groups there, you've got the detailed activities um, there. And then in the final research cycle, I wanted them to interrogate this in a little bit more detail. If you're on your own and you're ticking boxes, you might not think about it very hard. So I put the students into groups in their, in their project review days, and they all debated and discussed a particular sheet of the framework, and made suggestions to me, any changes into wording that you know, might not make sense to people. This is from a very international course as well, so it had to make sense you know, to a very different, wide range of communities, um, and any new activities. And actually, it came out as pretty robust, so we were, we were pretty pleased with that. So our conclusions then was, yeah, we have got an evidence-based framework. You know, this, this would appear to fill a real gap, an evidence-based framework, and something that we can help explain to these, these projects to students a lot better. Um, but we also recognised that these three project placements, we project activities, we hadn't really got a good handle on, and we needed to do some work. That's what I've been working on this year. I've been focusing on that. We've been looking at there are a lot more practice-based frameworks in this area. You know, project management is a is a whole uh, established uh, career in itself. There's a global standard. It's about that thick. It's huge, but, it, but it's great practice and relevant. So I've drawn on practice established uh, frameworks, I've collected data and I've been looking at all this. And what, what we found is really is, is quite interesting, not all, uh, just draw you to two things, but actually I've got this overall framework just a little bit skew-whiffy um, because there's different levels within it and I've probably got two different levels of, um, of granularity within that top level framework. I need to spread it all out. And I think in the end, there's going to be three layers to really help people get down into different areas. And when you're dealing with these through project activities, working with people, now you, I bet you all know from experience that if you work with one person, it's very different to working with a different person. 
you know, the context, the environment, the differences are very marked, and you need a whole range of different skill sets. So there's a much broader range of activities, and certainly teaching in those areas is going to be a lot more challenging. Um, so this is what I think the top level is going to look like in the end. Really, quite simply, you know, they've got to do the project, they've got to manage the project, work with others, manage themselves, and work with the messy world of information. And then there's layers <coughs> underneath that as we break that down. But as I've got, uh, hopefully, I'll have a, a model by the end of the end of this year that we'll then be able to use to explain to the students what it's all about, and then we can see how we can support them uh, to learn those different things. So that's about where I am at the moment. Um, there's some references there, and uh, thank you very much.